Welcome to the EMT Pro Podcast, where we deliver relevant EMS content from the field and the classroom. Each episode of this podcast can get you one full hour of CE through our partner, emt-ce.com. So head over there for more information. I'm your host, Steve Williams, and with me is Dan and Holly. Guys, it's been a little while, but good to have you back. It's great to be here, It's good to be back. And you know, I was actually thinking, I'm still kind of coming down from the All About Dan episode, you know? It was a a big celebration. So memorable. It was an amazing day. It was. And I appreciate that. I hope so. I mean, shoot. It was all about Dan Day. <laughs> it was all about <laughs> <laughs> forever in infamy now on all the podcasts. I platforms. love that you have you and your son in here together, like talking, and you have it recorded forever. I know. You can mm-hmm. listen to it anytime you want. I know. So cool. And two of your closest buddies from, from your fire department job. I know. And two of your other closest buddies in person. Oh, and those are my favorites. <laughs> you got lots of episodes of that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, well, today... We're going to do something completely different than All About Dan. We're going to do my craziest OB call. And I think we each have some scenarios to draw from. And I think we'll do it like we've done in the past, though. Like, you guys ask, if, if I'm given the scenario, you guys ask questions and I'll give it to you. And then we can talk about lessons learned and different hurdles we had to overcome at the end. That sound good? Sounds perfect. All right. You want me to go first, Dan, or you want to go first? Oh, it's up to you, sir. You are in charge. You are an officer. Steve, you go first. Damn, thank you, Holly. <laughs> but yeah. someone takes charge, finally. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Holly. My wife's not here. It's got to be Holly. I'm not an officer, but I can pretend I am one. Okay. Um, this is a call that I had on my internship. So this was 15 years ago. Okay. Um, I'm in Austin, Texas. Uh-huh. Uh, shout out to Charlie and Frank. Two best preceptors I could have ever asked. Charlie and Frank. We gotta have Charlie and Frank on here. They would be amazing hosts uh, or guests, I should say. They would, they would kill it. Um, Really, really good dudes. Um, so two person medic crew down there in Austin, and then myself, and uh, we were in at a very interesting schedule. So they would work, and I might get the days wrong, but. Uh, like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. 12 hours? uh, 124 followed by two 12s. Okay. Got it. And so the 12s were at night, um, 7P to 7A. Okay. And so they would do a 24 on Tuesday, 7P to 7A on Wednesday, Uh Wednesday, Thursday. And then on Thursday, 7P to 7A get off of work on Friday morning. And they would go back till Tuesday. Wow. Pretty amazing schedule. That's not bad. Yeah. But you're... I would assume in that in that environment you're up. Well, so the 24-hour shift um, was cush. Like maybe you run two calls in that time frame. What? In a very, very uh, affluent area oh, of Austin. Oh, okay. Um, you're stationed with uh, an engine from Austin Fire. Just a really cool scenario. Like really great people to be around. Uh-huh. Um, low-key, low-stress day. Now, <laughs> the 12-hour shifts... You didn't stop running. I mean, it's in kidding. 12 hours, you're running minimum 10 to 15 calls. Okay. Um, and you're in one of the you know most crime-ridden parts of right. the city. This it's must a, have been back in paper charting days. It actually was. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> when I got there, they had previously just uh, tried a um, EHR system that they didn't like, and they went away from it. So we were paper charting at that time. So... It's a quick question for you. So... Yeah. Uh, EMS response, 
do you get engine company? Yeah, good question. So they were doing at that time the Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta Echo um, uh, acuity levels, and so Alpha being the lowest acuity, Echo being sent to everybody. Okay. Um, and we routinely went on calls with Austin Fire. They were our QRT, and then um, the EMS portion divvies up the city into I think three divisions, and so. On the more critical calls, you would see your division supervisor show up in an SUV. So very common to see one or two cop rigs, an engine company or two, your ambulance and your supervisor on a more critical call. Okay. Um, that's if the dispatch information had all that, right? Right. right. Um, sometimes, like the call we had, um, we didn't have any extra help because it was, you know, maybe... They just didn't have all the information. When they so strictly the ambulance with a three-person crew? Uh, yeah, two-person and me, right? right? I can't really call it a three-person Two and a half. Crew. Yeah, two and a half. Um, but you were five-star, so that does... I was in a five-star program. <laughs> so, you know, maybe two and three-quarter, you know? <laughs> okay. So we had... Uh, we're tapped out to a group home. Um, it's an adult foster care um, situation. There was probably a dozen... Uh, residents at the facility. It was in a neighborhood that they had converted into a, a group home. Um, and so pretty, pretty big house, uh, ranch style home. I would say it's probably 3,500 square feet. And they had just sectioned it off into smaller rooms and had one larger communal area with a kitchen. So we're sent there for a um, abdominal pain call. And then as you're reading the, as one of my preceptors is reading the CAD, um, they're talking about the patient being pregnant. And so they didn't have a whole lot of information about the call, and we figured out why after we were on scene. But um, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, when I hear adult foster care home, I think of, like, elderly people mm. that aren't in a nursing home, but they're in this house setting. Yeah, but this was like You're a, talking about more of a group home for, like, younger adults that maybe had... Correct housing issues or maybe mental health issues? Yeah, so it was a group home for adults with special needs. Got it. Um, And I would say they range from 30 to 65 in that home. Um, So anyways, we show up to this house, um, walk in the front door, and the most concerning thing was um, the person who had called 911 uh, had a severe... Um, learning disability and and wasn't able to really articulate a clear story which is why dispatch didn't send more resources initially because they were getting some pretty limited information from the person who called mm-hmm. second most you know uh, concerning thing was the person who was supposed to be watching all these people that uh, they were in charge of was nowhere to be found there was no like in-house nurse or med aid or you know representative no staff from at the, all you know no, no. staff representation Boy. It was very concerning. So while we're working this call, which I'll get into, they came back. They went <laughs> and apparently left all of them there and went into the grocery store or something. Um, I don't know if that's kosher. I would assume it's not. But um, it didn't look like these dozen or so folks should be left alone um, to their you know, own devices for any period of time. But um, so... We're ushered kind of, we're met at the door by this gentleman who's having a hard time 
speaking what the concern is or what the, what the problem is. And he leads us to a bathroom. Um, and so we're, again, kind of, you know, shown like, oh, it's down here, down this hallway. Turn the corner. First thing I see is a woman in a bathtub, and it's filled with uh, just basically blood and fluid, and she's actively giving birth. Oh. Like. How old is she? Ish. I want to say she was right around 30. Okay. Um, I don't remember exactly how old and she disabled. was. And disabled. Yeah. Okay. Um, disabled. Uh, un- unable to uh, speak. She was oh, deaf okay. and mute. Oh, jeez. And um, just, you could tell, though, she looked so scared. Yeah. Like yeah. She oh, was yeah. just freaking out, right? She didn't know what was going on with her body. She didn't have the, the language to articulate how she was feeling. And so um, as we kind of realize, oh, my gosh, this is, she's actively in labor, um, we made the quick decision, like, we're obviously going to stay and finish this. We're not going <laughs> to try right, and scoop right. and go. And um, so we're setting up. My preceptors are asking me a bunch of questions. What do you want set up? What do you want us to do? Help us organize the scene. Okay, I got to say for your preceptors to be like, what do you want to do yeah, in that situation? They were awesome. That's they were, pretty they, calm. Well, yeah, yeah they were really, chill. really good at their jobs. Because um, honestly, delivering babies is, is a very low frequency thing mm-hmm. where we're from, Right. I guess. Uh, maybe in other areas, it's more higher frequency, but yeah. few times do you get to do that. Yeah, um, exactly. It's not something that we do commonly unless it's, I know a couple stations that have first dues in, you know, certain birthing birthing centers and things like that, but still. Um, So getting kind of my, my, my gears settled and, you know, asking for the, the peed kid and getting all this stuff out. And where um, are you taking the patient? You leaving the patient? We're leaving him in the tub. In the tub. Yeah. The one thing I did do was I opened the drain so that she wasn't sitting in it. Thank you. And all of a sudden, (laughs) It's actually a pretty clean scene. You yeah. know, it's all contained in <laughs> one spot. Like and awesome. um, man, this is actually, you know, way nicer than uh, all the scenarios I had drawn up in my head of how this might go someday. Um, is this the first time you'd ever seen someone deliver a baby? Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, and so I was 21 at the time. Um, and actually, I take that back. I would have seen, I had done my... You did uh, OB rotations. Mm-hmm. So I'd seen it a few times um, during that, uh, but nothing where I was in charge of doing much of anything but watching. And so uh, we deliver the baby, um, baby boy, pretty quick and easy as far as, you know, we got there, baby's already coming out. We have basically assisted it coming out the rest of the way, uh, suctioned, um, and... Things look pretty okay. Um, crying, you know, good APGAR score. Um, first APGAR was eight. That's that is good. Um, yeah. And yeah, so we're okay. Crap, let's let's get out of here and start moving, right? So um, the thing that made everything difficult was we couldn't communicate very well with the patient. So we're writing all of our questions out because none of us can sign. Mm-hmm. Um, we're writing all of our questions out on a notepad and trying to frame them in yes or no's, which was even more difficult to kind of think, yeah. you know, what medications do you take? Like you can't right. have them list them out, right? It's like, yeah. do you take medications, you? right? <laughs> you know, And so you're trying to 
figure out ways to communicate with them. And then it's um, just markedly difficult for each each part of it. Um, can, can I ask her a question? Yeah. So obviously you learn how to deliver a baby in school, mm-hmm. right? How different was that for you? How can you tell the folks how different what it was in real life then? It's nothing like the mannequins. It's nothing like yeah. the mannequins. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a mess. Yeah. There's, uh, you're you're going to have fluid all over you yeah. uh, by the time it's over. You can, I mean, obviously wear gloves and put all the PPE on, but yeah. you're going to be in it. Um, and babies are slippery. And babies are slippery. Um, so, so baby was on his way out uh-huh. when he got there. Yeah. You guys got your stuff together. Mm-hmm. Everything went as planned. On yeah, that point. Pretty pretty darn well. We wrapped the baby up, put it on mom's chest, um, cut the cord. Okay. Um and there was a inappropriate but funny moment on scene um where <laughs> again, I, I laugh at my uh innocence maybe or ignorance or both. Um I had clamped the cord right and I'm about to cut it and I said, Hey, wait. Maybe there's a father that wants to cut it. (laughs) My preceptor, God bless him, leans in and he's like, this isn't that situation, man. Cut the thing so we can get out of here. (laughs) And it was so perfect. I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right, Frank. This is the situation. But good on you for thinking of that. Yeah, exactly. You must Um, not have been completely terrified to think of that particular component. Right. Yeah. So uh, anyways, cut the cord. uh, baby wrapped up on mom's chest and help her get to the gurney and we wheel her out and we get going. Okay, so before you go, did mm-hmm. somebody else show up that knows what's happening? Yeah. Did you ever get a story? So um, this is where it starts to get interesting. Okay. Um, we're packaging her up and getting her on the cot and moving towards the ambulance and then staff comes back, wide-eyed, like, what the heck happened? Like, yeah, you know, meet baby so-and-so. Um. By the way, there's going to be a police officer that comes yeah. and talks to you because <laughs> yeah, right. that was a whole component of this that it's just, you know, we we called and asked them to the scene as, as, as well as an engine and um, got some more resources coming initially pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, the cops definitely stayed and took a report on that because that right. was not, not good. Um, but we had made contact with the staff on the way out, and um, she uh, – <laughs> I'll never forget this. She goes – wait, one baby? Oh. And I go, what do you mean one baby? She's like, she's pregnant with twins. You're like, oh, no. And I'm no. like, oh, <laughs> no. So uh, this is like in the hallway as we're wheeling her out. And I look at my preceptors and I'm like, we just, let's go get set up in the back and we'll do the rest there because things are currently semi-stable. <laughs> so, um we move pretty quick to the ambulance, get set up again. And I'm trying to write questions out like two babies. And she nods her head. Yes. Twins. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So, um, we're setting up again for another delivery, get a whole new setup in the back of the ambulance put together. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I don't think there's another baby in there. I mean, my limited education, I could be way off. Right, right. Man, everything looks like it is starting to shrink appropriately and doing the, you know, the fundal massage and like all that stuff. Like it's looking like that's what we should be doing right now versus 
you know, um, getting ready to deliver, getting ready to deliver another one. She's not and the having baby contractions looks normal anymore. size. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, healthy wow. baby and everything. So, um, again, this was a another moment between me and my preceptors, but you know, what does the book say? Uh, insert two glove fingers and you know, notice the presence of another child. And I did that, and I was like, I. <laughs> There's no other baby in here, man. I don't know what to tell you. So uh, I look and at Charlie. is still inside. Yes. Okay. So um, I look at uh, my preceptor. I'm like, I don't, I think this is a single baby situation here, man. I don't, I don't think we have uh, a second child in there. And um, he's like, okay, well, let me, ch- let me check. And so he, he checks and he's like, I just, so we're, we're we're asking more questions, right? We're writing more notes on this notepad, and I'm asking her about prenatal care. I'm asking her about you know ultrasounds and trying to frame it again in yes or no questions because she can't she can't even really write very well. Come to find out, what we pieced together between her house and the hospital was that she believed she had twins. Oh, she wanted twins. Uh huh. But she only was she only had with one. And so once we kind of wrapped our brain around that, it was like, oh, okay. Right. And we're also dealing with someone who's, you know, cognitively impaired. And yeah. So it was a roller coaster of emotions. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) What do you mean, two? Two? (laughs) I mean, that makes a good point. I mean, we assume there's always just one in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. We close up shop, we're ready to go, we're telling stories, smoking cigars, and all of a sudden another baby's going to pop out. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a really good point, too, is when you get them on the gurney and you get them in the ambulance, it's kind of natural for us to, like, tuck everything in and yeah. thumbs up. <laughs> right. But you got to continually reassess. Yeah. You're still doing the fundal massage. Mm-hmm. How long was your transport from the house to the hospital? It was about, it was decent. It was like 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. And you went code one? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just asking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we went we went code three because we were all still pretty hyped up and um, we thought there There's was a the second baby in there. Right? And so we started to piece it together and we were about five minutes out when we realized, okay, hang okay. on. I think we can we can chill out a bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing I was telling you guys earlier today, like I think with all these calls for the most part, mom does all the work. And we're there to support That's and it. check vitals and make sure that everybody's doing okay. But um, they're a lot scarier in your brains than they are actually yeah. when they happen. Yeah, because um, this happens millions of it times, happens every day, millions of years, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like my initial paramedic education on babies and what to do and deliver. I mean, this is before NRP, right? We had PALS, which doesn't really apply yet, right? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, our basic knowledge. And then over the years, being in the, the more I learn, the more I'm like, how did I not know that yeah. to start yeah. with? You know, and how lucky have we been so yeah. far? Yeah. Because um, it is kind of minimal at first. Right. Um, I know this is, I'm talking about 20 years ago, so I'm sure it's different now. But, um, yeah, that's a, got to trust the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How was your confidence after that? Um. I definitely gained some confidence after that call. Um, since then, I've only had three others in the field in 15 years. Um, three, uh, Sorry, three total, so two others. Um, but 
I also, I don't know. I show up going, okay, I know what to, I, I know generally what I can do and what I yeah. can't do. And, you know, if you see a head coming out of that thing, like you're, you're, you're good to go, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's positioned correctly. Um, obviously cords can still be a problem as they're coming out, but dude, so the moms do all the work. They man. do all the work. Mm-hmm. And so just, just for our, our folks here, just so that they know, yeah, this is, I, th- I got caught up on one early on where I didn't have everything prepared. Um, you know, it's all one thing to try to get the baby out and all that stuff, but you got to have the resuscitation team all set up and yes. ready to go for when that baby comes out blue that you're not playing catch up. Mm-hmm. I will say, um, my preceptors had our peed kit opened and ready to go, which included all of our resuscitation stuff, but that wasn't even on my brain. I was so concerned <laughs> with <laughs> baby coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Making sure baby's okay. Yeah. That, um, you know, having that, that advanced, you know, knowledge and skill of, okay, I need to be thinking two or three steps ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and have a contingency plan that, wasn't, wasn't there that time. <laughs> nope, it was not on my radar. <laughs> you know, at my previous job as the um, training coordinator, we did a lot of um, work. We would have our skills days twice a year, and so we did a lot of work around. We always had an OB scenario. And um, one of the OB nurses that helped us run the sim lab, she'd been an OB nurse for like 30 years. And so it was really fun to talk to her about mm-hmm. reality versus um, the panic in our brains when we think about a cord wrapped around a baby's neck. Right, like, what do you right, do? And right. one thing she told me was that if the cord is long enough to wrap around the baby's neck, that it's probably fine. Mm-hmm. She said in her 30 years, there's been like two times or three times, I can't remember, that they actually had to cut the cord instead of just sort of like... Moving your, it to the side. Yeah, or like put your hands around the you know the cord and loosen it up a little bit because mm-hmm. there's usually enough to slip it back over their head. Mm-hmm. And, but she did say that babies that are really active in utero, they grow longer cords so they can do their flips and tricks. So it's actually pretty, <laughs> there's actually quite a bit of slack mm-hmm. as they're coming out. So you don't have to panic if yeah. there's a yeah. cord around the, you don't have to cut it right away. Um, there's usually a, a little bit of space to slip it back over their head, which yeah. I thought was pretty awesome. Cause that was always one of my worst fears. Yeah, totally. Just so we can touch on the correct terminology nuchal cord is you know when the baby when the umbilical cord becomes wrapped around their neck in utero um but yeah we don't we don't really do a good job in education of pairing book knowledge with field knowledge and knowing that both have their their place and they're both relevant and and good but you can't necessarily just rely on one hundred percent. Oh no, not at all. And so, um, you need a a good mixture of both, which, um, and OB is probably just, I'm going to guess is probably EMS providers, least amount of calls, probably that surrounds the least amount of knowledge that they have. Certainly life experience. Um, so if, if you out there know anybody, any good OB nurses pick their brains so you don't have to panic in those situations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That was my craziest OB call. I've had a couple other ones. Um, one of my really close buddies, Corey, and I, um, this was actually the next summer uh, from the call I just talked about. 
uh, one summer later we're called to a I, I was on probation at this point and um we get called out to a delivery in progress um like two blocks from our station and so when we got there uh cory walks in ahead of me <laughs> and i'll never forget i'm i'm the probie right so i'm just packing just all the gear like a pack up. mule yep and um especially on a peds call right you've got an extra kid or two with that and he's 10 strides ahead of me and um small little ranch style house 1200 square feet maybe and around the garage coming up to the front door and he uh he's again 10 strides ahead of me he took one look at the mom who was like waddling out from her bedroom towards him with an arm oh geez. baby's arm oh, no. literally oh, hanging out of her vagina oh, no. um and he, he comes back out the door and he's like, we're leaving. And I was like, uh, what, what, you know, like, hang on. I got all the kids. He's like, yeah, put them in the ambulance. We're going. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he meant like, we're leaving. Yeah. Like, leaving the yeah, scene. Like, 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 I'm out. I can't do this. need a refusal? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, that one actually went really well too. Um, we got to uh, reposition baby um, and then came, it was like the mom's third pregnancy came right mm-hmm. out. So awesome. What do you mean reposition baby? What'd you do? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we did it the right way. I, I'm sure there's OB docs and nurses that are, you know, would just cringe right, at, at right. whatever we did. Um, but we had a, uh, midwife with us that was in the house during the delivery, um, which she was not as good at her job as you would hope mm-hmm. or want her to be. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we do have, and she's like the one person in our system that people know by name because the midwife. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, things just go wrong when, yep, commonly when she's on scene. But um, she was there, and she's just adding so much emotional fuel to this. She's running, oh. screaming, demanding all these things, and like my buddy Corey and I were like, "Okay, hang on, you're making this so much worse. We need to take a breather," and. Corey, luckily I'm on probation, right? Corey's at this point a 10 or 12 year veteran and was telling telling her he's not going to let her in the back of the ambulance with the way she's acting. Yeah, perfect. And so we made her right up front, which again caused other issues, but um, was the right choice to make. And uh, we talked to mom, calmed her down. She was very much appreciative of our efforts to kind of bring down the midwife. And we got uh, got in the back reposition baby by basically uh at this point we laid her flat um and elevated her legs she you know barely had a hand that we could see and so it was okay well shoot you're basically just at that point feeling to see where things are okay there's a shoulder and then it was a quick yeah little turn 30 degree turn and then all of a sudden things lined up and now we're not doing anything because baby's coming baby's coming out um and so that was, I mean, we were four minutes from the hospital and the baby was delivered in the back of the ambulance during those four minutes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, pretty crazy. But like you were saying, Holly, you said McRoberts. And just to go over that with our folks, the McRoberts maneuver is when you flex the thighs tightly towards the abdomen um, and then shift the hips away from the body, which helps open up the pelvis. Um if you think of, if for all you yoga people out there, like the happy baby pose. Oh. That's what I think of. There you go. That's kind of the Mac Roberts position. But. 
at the end of the day, these are some of the, well, they're very rare calls. Uh, when they go well, they're also really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah. Um, I was, it was, it was humbling, I would say, to, yeah. to get to, to share be a part of someone's that. Right. You know, moment like that. Yeah. Um, I always make a request. I've done it three times, but it hasn't taken yet, especially with two girls. But um, one boy, two girls have delivered over the years, and I always request their name to be Steve, but it just doesn't <sighs> happen. I even give them a bear with the name Steve, Steve on it. And Too bad it's not the 1970s. Yeah. That's a good name back about 50 years ago. <laughs> 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 Steve and Daniel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It just hasn't taken yet, but nope. maybe someday. It'll come back to the popularity. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you ready for your scenario? Sure. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to deliver quite a few babies, uh, working in a low economic area here in Pacific Northwest. Um, but this didn't happen here. It happened mm. in Haiti after oh, okay. oh, wow. After the earthquake. Yeah. I've had some cool ones here. I had one in the fire station right in the community room, just put her up on the table and ended up going to her graduation a couple of years ago. Wow. wow. And a couple out of the... Uh, the same lady two different times, this Somalian community right behind the fire station that they would call us anytime they, they deliver a baby. And the last time I was there, I mean, we did deliver, t- I delivered twice. And then I think last year, the year before, I was out running around at the station. And she's out there, she's pregnant again, and she's waving to me, like pointing to my baby, and, like <laughs> she's going to, I'll call you. Same lady? <laughs> same lady. Please and don't. And she has not <laughs> named any of her children after you? No. Oh. They are Somalian, so I'll, I'll, I'll let that excuse okay. go. Middle but, name would have been nice. Appreciative. I wouldn't have, yes. Uh, but I was in uh, Haiti after the earthquake. My buddy and I were in this mountain uh, hospital. And we were taking care of a lot of people with extremity injuries and doing amputations and a lot of uh, extremity care. And one night, he and I are there by ourselves with a bunch of nurses. Top level of care. Myself and my buddy, two paramedics. And there's a knock at the door. And it just, this is one of those hospitals that looks like it came out of a horror, horror movie. You know, the single light bulb hanging down. Oh, yeah. Sharp nice. containers just overflowing with old needles and such. It's just horrible. And um, this lady come in. She was she was an active, uh, active labor. And so they come and they get us. And I get in there and there's these Haitian nurses. And they're in the old nurse garb, you know, with a hat and everything else. Mm-hmm. And they've got these lashes. And they're, lash- they're, they're beating her. She's on the table, her legs are spread, and she's yelling, and they're beating her um, in this little room. For what purpose? What is the... uh, Is that what they... I don't know. To get the baby out, I guess. Oh, to get her to like... Yeah, because she was yelling, and they're just taking these things and just whipping her. I got down... In position. In position. Thank you. Next to the perineum. Yes, thank you. That's that's five... Five star. Five star. All right. Terminology. Yeah. <laughs> and I look and I can see the head's getting ready to come out. And so I'm looking over. I turn over here to, to make sure I got all my stuff. You know, BVM. Nope. Don't have that because we don't have that here in Haiti. Uh, no oxygen. Nope. Nope. I have this old knife. That's all this laid out is this old knife. And it wasn't even a, like a, a medical knife. It was like came from the kitchen knife. Oh, like a butter knife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's no clamp. There's nothing. And... Uh, I look back, and they're whipping her. I say, stop. And just as I say, stop, she shoots that thing out like a mortar. <laughs> and it comes up, and I grab it, and it's kind of going like this, like a, you know, a bad football game. 
because it's all slippery and such, and it's blue. You know, it's a Haitian baby that's blue, which is not a good sign, and yeah. I have nothing to do here, right? And, I mean, it just shot up so hard. And so I caught it. I laid it down, and I was able to open the airway, and baby started breathing decently. Oh, um, uh, this one of the nurses comes over with this this homemade contraption to you know suck the the nose and the mouth, and so I I take it and I do it. Baby starts coughing, starts waking up. Everything's good. They look up at mom, and mom is gushing blood because yeah. it ripped her from her oh, vagina down no. to her rectum. Mm-hmm. And it was just open, just wide open. Oh, man. And so we get baby stabilized. Use my sweet little butter knife to, to cut the cord. <laughs> what did, did you, like, tie it off with a shoelace or something? Uh, or? We had, um, uh, not dental floss, but something similar to dental floss is what they had. And so we were wow. able to use that. And um, baby, so baby's good. So we hand baby off to the nurse. Now I'm trying to pack this wound that's just gushing blood. And so we're, we're stuffing it, stuffing it, and holding direct pressure. and uh, Which is hard because you have to eventually, now you've still got to deliver the placenta. And right. And I mean, we're just trying to stop this yeah. bleeding. And um, we take her, and there's this old makeshift ER or OR there. And my buddy and I take her there, and we have one nurse that speaks a little bit of English. We're able to find sutures. Um, I get my, my call my buddy on the phone for a little bit of suturing class over the phone you know, here in the United States. And uh, because I knew we had an OB coming in the next day and I just trying to get it done. And I didn't want to be responsible for sewing up something that's going to have my work there for a long, long time. Right? <laughs> oh, man. I, I can't even draw a stick figure. Can you imagine right. me with my shaky old hands? Just <laughs> <laughs> and so we finally get the, it to stop a little bit and um, we we're able to get, the way they do blood transfusions there is they have to have a family member do it um and then they charge the family member for their blood it's just a whole it's a weird political religious reason uh no just cultural okay just financial yeah they probably don't have a blood bank right no blood bank so so we're able to get blood do they um this is beside the point but did they type and cross it first or uh i know i didn't (laughs) i mean that's just like hoping that they've got the same blood type yeah fingers crossed (laughs) yeah what can go wrong what could go wrong and so um, we get her to the OR, start IV antibiotics, and uh, we're looking to see. We're getting all our stuff, sutures ready to go. So you had IVs. We were able to do an IV. Okay. I mean, it's all old stuff that's been shipped down there for yeah. that earthquake. Yeah. In my foot. <laughs> um. And so um, I was able to pack it enough to, to stop the bleed, to wait for the guy to come in the next day to do a nice fancy suture job. Jeez. And she was so mean. I bet she was. The patient was so mean. Well, if I'd been lashed and I didn't ripped lash open, her. I'd she just got mean. smacked. Yeah. I didn't lash her. I know. And then you're packing who knows what. Lots. Yeah. <laughs> Bed sheets. I can only like. imagine how painful. Oh, gosh. And then having that whole experience wait. was. Yeah. Goodness gracious. You guys yeah. obviously didn't have anything for pain management, I'm guessing. Oh, we had a lot of pain management. Did you? Really? Oh, yeah. Nice. That's one thing we did. Uh, oh, they good. would send boxes of fentanyl down there. Unregulated. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> just okay. There. there are made bottles like this. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, that's mine. I mean, no offense, Daniel, but I don't even know that mine's on par, like remotely close. 
Well, what do you mean? I mean, my, my, my story doesn't even hold a candle. To oh. That. No, that's a good one. That was an amazing story. Were you down there after a... After um, the earthquake. After the earthquake, okay. Mm. Yep. How long were you guys down there? Three weeks. Wow. It's a long three weeks. It was awesome, though. My buddy had... Uh, we had these two girls that were going to lose their legs, and we had to get them to San Antonio to, to get orthopedic work done. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, Bill Clinton and George Bush were down there. And so we were trying to get on their plane to get these girls up. And my buddy had, <laughs> and didn't have the best police record. Mm-hmm. And so we were denied. So, but we were able to get, you know, an Pilatus that took us to San Antonio with these two girls and a lot of bribery and everything else to. It's a lot wow. of fuel that stops. Was my way to get home. It was a lot <laughs> of fuel stops. Dang. Wow. Yeah. It's a good rig. Good uh good uh trip. That's amazing. That's an amazing story, Dan. Thank you, sir. Good work. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Have you ever kept in contact with any of those people? The girls Haiti? the girls that I helped get to San Antonio? Yeah. Nice. They're still in San Antonio. Very cool. Their mom was able to come up, so it was good. Awesome. awesome. Save their legs. Very cool. Yeah. How about you, Holly? It's a tough act to follow. I mean, I'm glad Dan didn't go first. And I would have felt well, really you can't remember, I am, what, 30 <laughs> years into this and the <laughs> first one in the queue to die, so. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel like in my career I've been pretty lucky not to have any, like, real crazy stories. I mean, yeah. there's been quite a few of um, showing up at the OR to transport a placental abruption that's in DIC and has had all the blood that that hospital can take and, you know, try to keep that person alive until we get to where we're going. But I didn't initiate that either. So although sometimes after the fact, anytime you show up for an OR transfer, it's a little dicey. Um, But one I remember, my very first um, field delivery was um, in December and of course it was snowing and icy and this, um, the mom was at home and her husband had just left for work. And, um, anyway, she calls and she was super calm, but we get in there and as we pull up, I'm working on the ambulance, the fire department is walking out and like just white faced and they all walked back to the engine. And I was like, what's going on here? Maybe it's not a big deal. So I walk in and oh, we're in active labor. Oh, no kidding. But I don't know what happened. So wow. um, they Did were they just kick like. Did they out or something? No. Were I think they were just like, she's all yours. So everybody was gone? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's uh, you get in trouble for doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Jeez so Louise. we um, <clears throat> talk with her and she's actually had good prenatal care. Um, she's full term and she'd been in labor all night but it was her first baby and didn't realize that her back pain was labor, uh, like mid twenties. Okay. Um, so we, uh, get her in the back of the ambulance and I'm not thinking we're having a baby. This is the first pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. Usually you're in labor for hours and hours or days or whatever. And so I'm just sort of casually talking with her <laughs> and my partner is brand new and has never driven code three before. I think outside of Evoc and it's also icy and so I tell him, I'm like, you know, we're probably 
I don't know, 15, 20 minutes from the hospital. I was like, mm-hmm. don't go code three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's icy. Yeah. You know, there's no, Gotta be safe. you know, and uh, so he did go code three and I'm up there like, <laughs> no. so down. the, once we get her in the ambulance, one thing that, you know, they're talking to you and she's got a blanket on, don't forget to look down there and see what's going on because um, yeah, I do no feel kidding. like that people just assume nothing's happening. So I said, well, I'm going to look real quick and see how things are going. And she was crowning. And I don't know how she was so calm and just very stoic about the whole event. Um, so then I am not feeling calm anymore because mm-hmm. she's crowning. I don't have the OB kit out. I'm by myself. <laughs> the fire department was had pieced out long ago. And so um, I was like opening up the cabinets to get the nasal cannula and then getting the OB kit and getting some more blankets, you know, and we're getting ready and she's, we're talking and she's breathing. And, um, and then, so I told my partner, I was like, you know, we're, you know, I'm going to be delivering back here. So drive careful, which was the wrong thing to say. Cause he totally <laughs> oh, panicked no. and started like, <laughs> you know, turn the siren on and all this oh, stuff. And so wow. goes around a corner and all of the contents of the ambulance, empty out into the ambulance on top of me and the, the patient. Cause I had just oh, no. opened up a right. cabinet left it open or something. Yeah. And, um, so we have this, it looks like a bomb went off in the back of the, end. all for just a nasal cannula and OB <laughs> kit, you know, and so, um, but she did awesome. So we delivered the baby on the way, open up the OB kit, get everything out. I have one clamp. So I was oh. like, well, um, you know, and at this point we're real close to pulling up to the, um, ER bay. And this is kind of before the delayed cord clamping mm-hmm. was yeah. a thing. Um, and I don't know about you, but I always picture like picking up the baby and like all of the blood draining out of it. You know? <laughs> so I was like, well, yeah. I wanted to like put it on the mom's chest, but I wasn't quite sure what to do. And, um, which I ended up doing anyway, just cause it's, you know, 14 degrees out. So it was really yeah. cold. Yeah. And anyway, I didn't clamp the cord because I only had one clamp. And so um, luckily we ended up getting into the ER and they came emptied out into our ambulance. The whole ER did. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a small ER and brought their OB kit and all this stuff. I was like, I don't think we need all that. We're good. Yeah. We're good. Need Let's just get inside where <laughs> yeah. it's warm. Yeah. And we took her up to the OB floor and it actually worked out really well. I got a really nice card from her later. Nice. Actually. Nice. Um, Very cool. But it just goes to show that nothing ever really goes plan A. It um, and then, of course, you know, just all of the contents of all the cabinets coming out yeah. on top of us. It was just pretty funny. It was a funny scene. But I can, I can um, totally imagine what that looks like. I've had yeah. that happen a few times. Uh-huh. But if you do think about the delayed cord clamping, it is really beneficial yeah, to talk baby about that and for mom. A minute. What does it do? Um, it increases. Um, so after you have the baby... Um, if you don't do the co- the cord clamping right away, um, it gets lots of antibodies, lots of blood flow, um, red blood cells um, to baby. And it's supposed to be better for resuscitation and um, oh. overall. And you can wait. Some people wait until the cord stops pulsating mm-hmm. and then they clamp it. Mm-hmm. Some people just wait for a couple of minutes and then clamp it. Um, then you have like, what do they call Lotus babies where mm-hmm. they don't clamp it at all. And we just wait till it dries up and falls off. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 
I'm I looking don't know at. If I'm recommending that. <laughs> yeah, um, that right. But it is something follow that, your local protocols. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Um, but I do think that's what's being um, encouraged now is to delay the cord clamping for you know a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, I'm looking point. at um, the AmericanPregnancy.org website, and they say that DCC or delayed cord clamping is uh, typically used with preterm infants as babies born before full term are said to benefit greatly from the extra blood received. Um, and then they have a section on what the benefits are. Some new studies have shown uh, that delayed cord clamping can have a positive effect on both preterm and full-term babies. These benefits include an increase in placental transfusion, uh, a 60% increase of RBCs, and a 30% increase in neonatal blood volume. Dang. Yeah. So I, already right on. I failed my children at birth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but one other thing you mentioned was placental abruption. And I think just because we have the opportunity to review what that is um, with folks who may not have heard it for a while or um, don't have the clearest idea of what it is, um, it's a big deal. Um, it's a condition where the placenta separates from the wall of the uterus before birth, and it can be a partial separation or a complete separation. And then obviously the downstream effects of that are... You know, baby doesn't get the oxygen nutrients it needs, so it's bad for mom, bad for baby, and we want to hopefully never experience yeah. it. That is a true medical emergency. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's really not a lot you can do about it in the field. It's definitely a surgical fix. Rapid transport. Yeah. Um, if you carry blood, though, uh, blood transfusion's good. Um, you you know, mentioned DIC. Yeah, I was going to say pregnant women are at higher risk for DIC anyway. Can you just go over that real quick? I've had the hardest time with that. Disseminated intravascular coagulation. Oh my gosh, you're yes. so smart. It's yes. basically just a it's a it's like a conundrum between the clotting factor. So you anytime you have like a tear in a blood vessel or an injury, you get, you know, your internal clotting factors are gonna start clotting, right? Which can occlude things like your kidneys or your liver and um, cause problems that way. But the more your clotting, if you think about it, the less your the less clotting factor you have available. So while you're over clotting, you're also probably bleeding because you don't have any clotting factors left to clot the new bleed. You're clotting um, too much. Yeah, so it's this balance between um, you've used up all your clotting factors, but you have all these clots, but now you're bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you? What do you do in that situation? And you can you can clot too little with it. As well, correct? Yeah, because now that you, once you, the the clotting cascade happens and it happens very rapidly, um, sometimes you can use up all of your clotting factors. So then you are clotting too little, right? Where you need to, where you need to, yeah. um, gotcha. which can cause bleeding from just even a small amount of trauma. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, after birth, you are, you know, a little bit more prone to that, and then you add in blood transfusions and all of those things, which is the treatment. Yeah. Um, it's kind of scary. Yeah. So. It's a great definition. Thank you. Great job, Holly. Thank you. I've been working on that DIC thing for years and just can't seem to get it down. Yeah, there's different things that cause it. You know, tumors, pregnancy. Infections. Infections, things yeah. like that. Um, but once you go into that cascade, it's really hard to balance it back out. Well, um, that's our craziest OB call. Yeah, mine was not crazy, but... 
you know, they all were crazy in their own unique ways. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a unique situation with the disabilities of the patient. Dan had not just a language barrier, but a lack of equipment. And Holly had a crazy weather situation that caused a storm of issues with (laughs) the transport. Sounds like an amazing fire department, too. Amazing. Yeah. Man. You know, um, one thing about being the the baby being cold, and you can take this part out, but yeah. um, <coughs> did you know that when you put a baby on the mom's chest that she will... Um, Naturally start to produce oxytocin. oxytocin yes. Yeah. But also her body will increase or decrease depending on what temperature the baby needs. Really? That's like cool. if the baby needs warmth, she'll increase her body temperature. Uh-huh. So maybe her temperature might go up to 99 or 100 when she's really just um, trying to keep baby warm. That's awesome. Isn't that interesting? I know that. Humans are so cool. They're so amazing. Yeah. And so horrible at the same time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, great job. I, I think that's a really educational thing for our listeners. So I'm excited to get this episode out. Um, let's, uh, let's leave it there. And then I think on our next episode, we've got Dr. Selback coming in to discuss some more cases so i like cool. it it'll be fun i love case review yeah it's always fun as long as it's not mine yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll leave it there thanks for joining us and we'll catch you guys on the next one see ya <laughs>